No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where a prophet tells Ahab that the Lord will deliver the Syrians to him again. This means both success and failure for Ahab. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 20 on Simply the Bible. Life consists of successes and failures. Those who succeed the most usually make the most failures, but they learn from them to finish well and ultimately to succeed. Others at times succeed, but then they never learn from their failures, and in the end, they ultimately fail. Today, we consider such a situation in the life of King Ahab of Israel. Now, as Ben-Hadad of Syria besieged Samaria, God sent a prophet to King Ahab saying, that the Lord would deliver the Syrians into his hand. God would do this, not because Ahab or Israel were worthy, but because of God's grace and his desire to glorify his name before Israel and the Syrians. Now, sure enough, God granted success to Ahab and to Israel, and the Syrians were defeated. But the prophet of God told Ahab to strengthen himself for the Syrians would be back. We continue today in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 23. Then the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we, but if we fight against them in the plain, surely we will be stronger than they. So do this thing. Dismiss the kings each from his position and put captains in their places, and you shall muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to their voice and did so. Having been defeated once, the Syrians wanted another shot at it. They were shocked that Israel had defeated them the first time. But it had been because God said it would be that way. But the Syrians, or the Arameans as the modern translations say, made a fatal error. They thought that the Lord was only the God of the hills because Israel had beaten them in the hills. The pagan deities were localized, so they thought their God could defeat Israel's God in the plain. Ben-Hadad's advisors convinced their king to replace the 32 kings he had relied upon in the previous battle with his own commanders and then to attack Israel again in the valley. That plan sounded good to Ben-Hadad. There are those today who would make the same fatal mistake as the Syrians. They think our God is the God of the hills. As long as we are in the high places and everything is going well with us, and everything we touch is blessed, they think that God is with us. But when we go into the valley, when all things seem to be against us, when friends forsake us, and it seems that God has lifted his hand of blessing from our lives, then surely they think God is not with us. But 
God is the God of the valleys as well as the hills. David had known both hills and valleys in his life, and he wrote in Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Can you share this experience with David? Can you say that you know God is the God of the hills and the valleys in your life? Can you say that you have found him faithful in both places? Can you say that you felt his presence in times of joy and times of sorrow, in successes and failures? I dare say that his presence is most felt and appreciated in the valley, for he is near the brokenhearted. Now, the Syrians thought they were planning a surprise attack against Israel. Little did they know that when Ahab returned from the previous battle, a prophet told him to strengthen himself because the king of Syria would return in the spring. Ben-Hadad and the Syrians were fulfilling the word of the Lord without even knowing it. Nobody surprises God. Even the enemies of God in all their plotting ultimately serve his purposes. Verse 26. So it was in the spring of the year that Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions, and they went against them. Now the children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats, while the Syrians filled the countryside. There were so many Syrians filling the valley that the Israelites seemed like two little flocks of goats before them. Probably Ahab had divided his army into two companies for strategic reasons. Facing such a massive enemy army would have been tremendously frightening to the Israelites. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Just then a man of God came to Ahab. It could have been the same prophet who had told Ahab that God would deliver the Syrians into his hand in the previous battle. God had heard what the Syrians said about him, that he was only a God of the hills, and the Lord would prove them wrong. God is omnipresent not like the localized pagan deities who were no gods at all, but were in fact demons. Once again, the Lord would deliver the Syrians into the hand of Ahab, not because he was worthy, but because God wanted everyone to know that he is Lord of all. I believe that the more we understand that God seeks to glorify his name through all the earth, the more in tune we will be with his grander purposes. It is easy for us to become preoccupied, consumed with building our own little estate rather than seeking his kingdom, his purpose, and his glory. But if our hearts would be consumed with his glory, then we would find ourselves able to exercise greater faith and authority in accomplishing his will for his name's sake. Verse 29, they encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was that on the seventh day the battle was joined and the children of Israel killed 100,000 
foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek, into the city. Then a wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left. And Ben-Hadad fled and went into the city into an inner chamber. Now, this was obviously the Lord's doing. There's no way that the little army of Israel could kill 100,000 Syrian soldiers except that the Lord was with them. And then if that wasn't enough, then when they took refuge in Aphek, their city, the walls came falling down on them, killing another 27,000. Not only would the Syrians know that they had faced a God who was God, not only in the hills, but also in the valley, but Probably even more importantly, the Lord was showing Ahab that he was the Lord. He was God. He could do all things if Ahab would only worship him as the Lord, fear him, and keep his commandments. But here we see that Ben-Hadad once again sought to escape, taking refuge, hiding in the inner chamber within the city. Then his servants said to him, Look now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings, Please let us put sackcloth around our waists and ropes around our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they wore sackcloth around their waists and put ropes around their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. Now, this was all just a big sham. They were not truly repentant. They were wearing sackcloth. Uh, around their waist, pretending really to be sorrowful over what they had done, but they really weren't sorrowful over what they had done. They were sorry that they got caught. They were sorry that they were having to deal with the consequences of losing the battle, and they thought they were going to lose their lives. So they made it look as though they were sorry. But when they said this to Ahab, then Ahab said, Oh, is Ben Hadad still alive? He is my brother. Now we wonder how in the world Ahab could consider Ben-Hadad to be his brother. They didn't share the same nationality. They didn't share the same religion. Or maybe they did. You see, they were both idolaters at this point. But at any rate, Ahab blew it because he was to take out Ben-Hadad, not make a treaty with him, which was in fact exactly what he was going to do here. Now, the men were watching closely to see whether any sign of mercy would come from him. And they quickly grasped at this word and said, yes, your brother, Ben-Hadad. So he said, go bring him. Then Ben-Hadad came out to him and he had him come up into the chariot. So Ben-Hadad said to him, the cities which my father took from your father, I will restore and you may set up marketplaces for yourself in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will send you away with this treaty. So he made a treaty with him and sent him away. Ahab made a fatal mistake here in making a treaty with the one that God wanted to destroy, namely Ben-Hadad. Now, a certain man of the sons of the prophets said to his neighbor by the word of the Lord, strike me, please. And the man refused to strike him. And then he said to him, because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, surely as soon as you depart from me, a lion shall kill you. And as soon as he left him, a lion found him and killed him. It was a very dangerous thing not to take heed to the word of the prophet when the prophet was prophesying in the name of the Lord. And this guy wouldn't hit him. 
I didn't want to hit his friend. And so a lion took him out. So the prophet found another man and said, strike me, please. And I think perhaps the second guy saw what happened to the first guy. So he, the man struck him, uh, inflicting a wound. Then the prophet departed and waited for the king by the road and disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. Now, as the king passed by, he cried out to the king and said, your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And there a man came over and brought a man to me and said, guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And then the king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. And he hastened then to take the bandage away from his eyes. And the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction, therefore your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. So the king of Israel went to his house, sullen and displeased, and came to Samaria. Ahab had the opportunity to learn from his failures to recognize that the Lord was God. Instead, he disobeyed the Lord. He acted on his own. He sought to make a treaty with somebody that God had wanted to destroy. And thus, he would be destroyed. We can learn from our failures and we can succeed greatly. Or we can have some successes and never learn from our failures and ultimately be a failure in the end. The choice is up to us. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Ahab offers to buy the vineyard of his neighbor, Naboth. When he refuses, Jezebel takes matters into her own hands. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.